This is The State of Things. I'm Anita Rao. Remember that time when you'd never heard of Zoom? This spring, that changed for many of us. Some folks did still report to work and school, but most everything else went online. Zoom meetings, virtual learning, and video chats became a way of life for many. But learning the tools of the digital trade can still be frustrating and challenging. To ease that learning curve, institutions with roots in the analog stepped up. Libraries. Librarians at Duke University even created a video describing their new book checkout procedures that went viral. Library takeout. Even with closed doors, libraries served as connection points and community resources this year. So we wanted to talk to a few librarians to hear about how they made it happen. Hugh Davis is the director of the Albemarle Regional Library. Hey, Hugh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. And Carol Dennis is a youth services manager at the Iredell County Public Library. Hey, Carol. Hey, Anita. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Hugh, I'd love to start with you and hear a bit about the community that you are serving. It includes four counties, Northampton, Gates, Hertford, and Bertie. Portions of those counties have very little access to the Internet, um, pretty rural areas. So talk about how that shaped your approach to serving folks during the pandemic. Well, the interesting thing is I actually came on as we were shutting down. I became director on March 25th. We closed the branches (laughs) on March the 17th. And I was in the loop about the closure. But one of the first things we had to do, of course, was to try to make sure everyone was connected um, through some way. And, of course, I mean, I'm a traditionalist. I, I like old books and physical books as well. And that's been the habit. We have limited resources here. Uh, but one thing we had been offering uh, were Chromebook bundles with hotspots, which had been very sparingly being checked out over the course of the previous semester, and then the schools began to close, and suddenly they were all checked out, and when we got them all back in the summer and we're offering them again this past fall, there was a line out the door to get them, so we had this sudden need, and we had to do something, uh, but our um, branches uh, had to shut down, obviously, for um, reasons of the pandemic, but we wanted to continue uh, trying to find things uh, that we could do for them, and we began pushing them to check out our online sources, look at digital offerings. We began offering some things as sort of grab-and-go type packets because we couldn't physically have them in the branches at first. And we began offering um, as much as we could as a way to keep connection through our website and through social media. Uh, And so one of the things we were pushing for was to make sure everyone had opportunities. And we kept kept the Wi-Fi going 24-7 so people were still coming to our parking lot and connecting. Mm. And uh, one thing we were able to do is we've now partnered with the local community college, which also serves those four counties. And, again, we're dealing with rural area. And not only that, we're dealing with a lot of people who are just not used to using digital things. Even when they have access, it's not their habit. And so we've put in a program called Fast Forward Tech um, in which they're getting a laptop. And now that we're back open again, we're giving them classes with instruction. And we've got a lot of people who are looking for jobs and trying to keep up with this fast-paced new digital world. And so we're able to offer them lessons in technology so that as we continue in this new wave and as things keep shifting, they can work uh, on learning those skills and 
not be left behind. And I admit some of that learning has been doing has been going for us as well. Yeah, I mean, you bring up such a great point that there are so many things that have to be in place for this shift to the internet to work. You need people to be able to have access. So providing, you know, Wi-Fi signal that people can access from a parking lot, obviously so important for folks. We heard stories this whole year of families who would take their kids to sit in a McDonald's parking lot so the kids could do homework and upload and download videos. But Carol, I mean, the other thing is is just making sure that people know what how to use the digital resources that are available. Um, it's You right. can't just walk up to a librarian and say, hey, show me how to use this online encyclopedia. So how do you do that work <laughs> when you're far apart? How do you help people use the resources that you do have? Well, one thing we did um, is a couple of screen capture videos, uh, me and another librarian. And we had a lot of fun with those. We got a little bit silly because we were just sitting in a room staring at a laptop recording <laughs> sound and just did real quick here's how you search, here's how you place items on hold, because we were still letting people come and pick up holds. And then we did e-blasts and let people know, hey, here's some online resources that we have. Remember, the digital library is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And we just let people call, too, and answered lots of questions over the phone that way. There's so much about a library as a community gathering space as well. I know as a kid, we frequented the library all the time as a family. So how did you find ways to serve families and keep them connected to to each other and to a greater sense of community? Right. That was definitely challenging because there was just so much that was unknown. And so we weren't having any programming in person. And we had just finished finalizing our plans for summer reading when the news came that we were going to have to close down the library. And my director, Julie Moore, and I looked at each other and we're like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing live summer reading. <laughs> so like a lot of libraries, we did some online story times and those were fun. And then we tried to do some online videos too that were just like, you know, at-home science experiments you could do with little kids um, and at-home craft activities for all ages. And those were fun. And then we redid summer reading so that we had almost everything you needed in a little to-go packet. So it had a calendar where you could track your uh, daily reading. And as long as you read 15, 20 minutes a day, that's awesome. You're building reading skills and building brain power in young kids. And information about the digital library and a, a new service that we had called Express Books. That was something we were really excited about. And we kind of geared it to the people who were already reading Um, or wanted to read and didn't know what to read. And it was just a simple online forum. Tell us about yourself. What kind of books do you like or do you not like? And then we included um, ages because we wanted children to be able to participate in this too. And then we would hand select books. And if you said, I want to pick these up Friday, Friday morning we would check out the books for you and have them waiting so people could come to the library and say, I have an express books order. and They would already be checked out and we could bring them right out to them. That's that's so awesome that to be able to really popular. Yeah, to get a librarian to pick out a book for you is is pretty fun and exciting. And it, and it kind of brings us to the point that, you know, you've had to figure out new systems of doing things differently that are sustainable because while at the beginning we right. thought, you know, this might be temporary, now we know we're kind of in the long haul, things are are changing for a while. And I wonder Hugh for you, I mean, you came into this job um when things were really shifting. So how did it kind of shape 
the way that you wanted to see your role as a librarian to make the library a place that could, you know, withstand these kind of massive societal changes and upheavals? Well, I'd like to pretend that somehow that gave me an edge coming in, (laughs) but I think it's mostly ignorance that allows me because I come in, I don't have set habits. Uh, I wasn't coming with, this is the way I've always done it, or this way we always have to do it. And so uh, I've really just kind of come into this the same way, I guess, uh, everyone has with, okay, what do we do next? What what will work? And I think the important thing for uh, us, I've got a great staff, and of course they were giving me the things that they wanted to hold on to. They had to change summer reading, as Carol was saying, which has been an obvious seismic shift for us, because the digital world here is so limited. And when you add to that, students who were sent home in March, who were given computers, and everything went to a screen. There really was a lot of screen fatigue when we got to the summer. So we did offer virtual storytelling, but it wasn't the first thing most of them wanted to do. And so we had some issues like that. Uh, And so we had to figure out what we could hold on to that had always worked and what we could try that was different. And so I think it helped a little bit to come in uh, without having, oh, it's it's March, we always do this, or it's, you know, it's... uh, September, we, we did still do, for example, the September um, library card um, month, and so we pushed for people to renew library cards, get new cards. We uh, set up stations for them to fill out the census when they came in to register to vote. So we had all kinds of civic things going on, but they were all sort of what we could do at this time that were quick hits, not coming in and staying a long time, limited numbers. Uh, and so the main thing for me, and I've said this about the pandemic in general, I'm hoping we can take what's happened and do some serious evaluation of what worked and keep the pieces that worked during this time. We've increased our digital offerings and how many of our patrons are actually going online to look for ebooks, for example. That had not been something that was very high with our patrons before they had to go get those books. Once once we shut down, they couldn't come in and get them, and people started asking, went, oh, actually, you can get that online. And some who have been longtime patrons will say, why don't you have e-books? And I go, or excuse me, why don't you have audiobooks uh, electronically? And I went, actually, we do, and I'll show them how, or our branch managers will show them how. And it's been a real push to get people to realize, like you said, and like Carol said, to get the word out there. And so we want to take those things that have worked and to really keep moving forward with them uh, before we get left behind, really. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, in terms of the value of libraries, what this has shown, what this moment has shown to you all, because I know we've talked about this at least with theaters, now that we're also used to watching movies on streaming, are we ever going to go back to the theater? Now that we are used to um, reading books on a, on a Kindle or, or getting books online, are we going to go back and browse through the aisles of the library again? Maybe we each could reflect on um, what you think about the future of libraries and, and the role that they might play and how this has changed that. Carol, let's start with you. Um, well, I, I am a big lover of libraries and reading, and I always feel like my job as a librarian and especially as a youth librarian is to help kids fall in love with stories and storytelling. And then how they consume those stories really doesn't matter. Mm. (laughs) You know, if they're listening, that's great. If they're reading, that's great. If they're watching, that's great. But sharing stories is so important. And, you know, I, I hope that by falling in love with stories, they'll also fall in love with reading. Um, And actually, my father's family is from Gates County, and my grandfather, who he passed before I was born, but he would always tell the children, the only thing that I can give you that no one can take from you 
is your education. Mm. There's not enough land for everybody, but you can learn, and whatever you learn is yours forever. And that was a wonderful message to give the entire family. So he managed to put all seven of his kids and an orphan nephew through college, which was phenomenal. Um, and I know it changed my life because I would be terrible at hoeing weeds and soybeans, as any of my cousins would tell you. Um, <laughs> and I think that the library is still a place of community. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. always want to come to the library and they want to see us, you know. And the great thing about the Iredell Library is there are people who have been working there for 30, 40 years and so people want to come in and say hi and, and share their news, and, and it's wonderful. And that was one of the gratifying things when patrons were finally able to come back in. They were so happy to see us, you know, and just thanks for being here. Thanks for letting us pick up books. And it was so nice to see our patrons again. Hugh, how about for you? What has this year made clear to you about the value of libraries? Well, as Carol said, I think we have always had in this area, and I'm from this area, I just became director uh, in an odd time, uh, that the libraries have always been a sort of nexus point for the community, and there are the people. We have a dying newspaper industry, for example, but people come to get the local newspaper. They come to get other news because they see each other, and they come together, and you know, we're all very small communities here, uh, but they, there are several people, as Carol just said, who have grown up going to the library with the same manager, same staff who they see, whom they see, uh, and there are people who uh, can immediately tell you, "Oh, I love going there. The library saved my life. I, it was my escape." And so, in an area like ours, I mean, you mentioned the movie theater. We don't have a movie theater in any mm. of the four counties I'm serving. This that's not as much of a change for us. If I mean, we, it was always a long distance. You you made a day trip of it and you went <laughs> and enjoyed the film, but at the same time. Uh, we have had the library, and the library is an opportunity for people to come together. And, yes, I love what Carol said about uh, it doesn't matter how you actually are getting that story. As long as you're getting it some way, you can consume it, whether it's through a virtual means or an electronic book or a physical book. We hope that everyone's going to still come in, but the uh, important thing, of course, is that they understand the library is there to make that connection. And I think it's just reinforced for many of our patrons and for us how valuable those connections are because we can share with each other, oh, you know, you should read this, you should check this out, and sometimes it's a matter of you should check this out because now we have it on NC Overdrive, or here's the, here's the new book on the shelf, and either one works. And like I said, our I've got a wonderful staff who know their patrons. That's the first thing they told me when I was coming on board. So we know our patrons, we serve them, and so they're looking out for them, and they're going to continue to, whether they're coming in a little differently now and obviously coming in with masks and some social distance, but also if they're checking things out electronically, they're still getting recommendations from those same staff members, still finding the stories that they need to know. We don't have a lot of time left, but I'd love to end with you each giving us a book recommendation. As you reflect on the year, what book really sticks out to you? Hugh, let's start with you. Okay, when I get asked this, I always answer uh, the most recent book I'm reading, but I've actually I've, I've thought about this because someone asked it to me recently. And early this year, before the pandemic, I read a book called Even at the Grave by Lisa Saunders, who's an Episcopal priest in Charlotte. And she was talking about how she's come to view life differently, having had to deliver uh, sermons and eulogies. And I think that especially as I look back on the year, that's a book that helps me think about some of the losses we've had, but how we can best appreciate them. And she just writes beautifully, and I think that's the most important thing, is she tells her story with passion. I love that. We'll share a link to that at our website. Carol, how about you? A particular book or Um, an author from this year? 
I think one of my favorites, and I hope it's from this year, um, even if it's from last year, it's still so good, um, is called Going Down Home with Daddy by Kelly Starling Lyons. And the illustrations are just breathtakingly gorgeous. And it's about going back to your parents' parents' home for a family reunion. And it just, uh, it spoke to me about, you know, going and visiting the home place in Gates County um, in summers and hanging out and the different relationships that you have with family and just how much we're missing that all this year, you know. So that was a lovely one. It's a picture book. Even if you don't like reading, you're going to love this book. It's very easy to read, and it will just stay with you. It's beautiful. Wonderful. Thanks so much to both of you for joining us and for sharing your recommendations. I've been talking with Carol Dennis, the Youth Services Manager for the Iredale Public Library, and Hugh Davis, Director of the Albemarle Regional Library. Thanks so much to both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Anita. You can find more about them, their libraries, and everything we talked about today at our website, stateofthings.org. North Carolina Public Radio is a broadcast service of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Anita Rao.